The scripture reading this morning is taken from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Well, today is the third of three Commission Sundays this year. And we do several things on Commission Sundays. We renew our commitment to the Great Commission to go into the world and make disciples. We also think about and talk about and pray for our missionaries. We support several missionaries here on a full-time basis, and we want to encourage them and pray for them and, and make us aware of who they are, and so we try to do that. We also obviously give sacrificially so that those missionaries and our mission trips can do the work they're doing on the front lines. And we also praise God. We praise God for who he is. We praise God for what he is doing through us, specifically to share the gospel, to extend the borders of the kingdom. That's such an important role that we have as ambassadors of Christ, and we give God all the glory and all the praise for what he is doing through us. And so you'll notice the flags on either side of the stage area. There are little labels on there. I doubt you can see them from your seats. And I can't see the flags right now, but I think I can remember where they are. So let me tell you, this is Colorado over here on the far, I guess my far right, most of your left, and then Haiti, and then the blue and white one is Nicaragua, and then the distant mission field of Texas, lots of prayers and mission efforts needed there, and then we have Zambia, and then Northern Ireland, and over here we have Germany, and then Guatemala, and Ecuador, and I believe Mexico, and Canada, and then last but certainly not least, Oklahoma, because we want to share the gospel throughout our own state, in our community, and in areas throughout our state, and we send out mission trips uh, even in our own state. And so it's an important thing what we are calling attention to today. More importantly, it's God's work in this world that we're a part of, and that should humble us, and that should also fill us with a great sense of gratitude that God would allow us to partner with him in spreading the gospel. Inside your bulletin, there should be an insert there. You might want to take that out and look at it. If you didn't get one of those, I think there should be some in the lobby, but there is a brief snapshot of our missionaries, our missionary teams and our missionaries, a little bit of information about them. I might just encourage you to take that home, take that piece home with you, maybe put it on the fridge, put it somewhere where you can see it, and throughout the week, what if you just offer a little prayer for them? Maybe pick one a day or one a week or do something with your family if you have a family and lifting them up in prayer. There's also an email address for, I believe, all of those missionaries in that little newsletter. What if you just took time out of your week, of your day, of your evening, early in the morning, whenever is convenient, and just sent them a quick email and said, we appreciate what you're doing, we're praying for you, Keep up the hard work, keep up the good work, keep allowing God to work through you. I can assure you that would be so encouraging to them. We want to build those connections, 
The support that we provide our missionaries is certainly financial support, and that's important. That enables them to be out there doing that. But it's more than that. It's emotional support. It's, it's letting them know we're praying for them. It's making those connections. And so to do that in a little bit more formal way, we're initiating a new program. Today I've asked Neil Ferguson, the chair of our missions committee, to come and share just a little bit about this program and also to pray over our missionaries. Neil? Thank you, Randy. As Randy went through those flags I was thinking about, we have 17 missionaries that uh, we at this congregation are privileged to work with. And they're a very diverse group. Uh, some grew up here at the Edmond congregation through elementary and high school. Uh, Kai Courtright, who's serving in Germany, and Christopher Crowder, who's serving in Northern Ireland. While some joined this congregation in college uh, in the, our campus ministry, like Jana Miller, who's currently serving in Zambia. Some have been supported by Edmond for a long time like Roger Samour in Canada, and some have just started with Edmund this year, like Marco Tulio in Guatemala. Some are serving very far from their home, uh, like John Shattuck and his family in Ecuador, and some are actually serving in their hometown that they grew up in, like Julio and Jose, Josue David and Eduardo in Matagalpa, Nicaragua. So they all are very diverse, but they all have some very important things in common as well. Obviously, the first one is a desire to serve our Lord and see the gospel of Christ shared with others. And the second thing I think that they share in common is a desire to have connection with us here at Edmond. Many of you were probably here and may remember several months ago uh, when we were sending off John and Jill Shattuck and their family, and John stood right down front here at the communion table, and he requested of all of us to pray for him and let them know that we're praying for them. So they do definitely desire connection with us. And so that uh, principle was really the genesis for this missionary adoption program. Our goal is for each Bible class here at Edmond to adopt one of our missionaries. And our plan is to leverage existing relationships and natural connections to pair up those missionaries uh, with each of our classes. So class leaders should expect some communication with, between us and the missions committee and you over the next uh, few days and a week or so. And we'll start to kind of facilitate uh, creating those connections and uh, making sure that we have coverage for each of our missionaries. So you may be wondering what does adopting a missionary look like? And really there are two main focuses of this program. First is prayer. And second is encouragement. So I'm sure you will come up with much more creative things than I could, but let me just give you a few ideas. Obviously, pray for them regularly, both individuals and your family, and certainly in your, in your classes. Uh, send them care packages periodically. Uh, connect on social media. Send birthday, anniversary cards. Uh, you may even video conference or FaceTime in your Bible class occasionally. But basically, just like any other relationship, work to build that relationship. And I would encourage you, don't forget that building a relationship is a two-way street. So let them know how they can be praying for you. Let them know what's going on in your lives so that they can uh, connect with you through that as well. I'm reminded of one of the first missionaries, Paul, and what he wrote to one of his sponsoring congregations, the church in Philippi. In Philippians 4, verse 18, he said, I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. So certainly anything that we can do to connect with and support our missionaries, they're going to be appreciative of that, uh, just like Paul was. So let me urge you to lean into this effort, and I promise you that you'll be blessed and encouraged as you get to know our missionaries better. 
So before I hand things back over to Randy, let me say a prayer on behalf of our missionaries and on the rest of our service this morning. God, thank you so much for the people that we get to serve with and for all the resources that you have blessed this congregation. Uh, God, we are so humbly, um, uh, humbly use those things, God, and just help us to make wise decisions about how to use those. Uh, God, for Roger Samour in Canada, Ubaldo Camacho in Mexico, uh, Ismael Resendez in Mexico, Harold Gerardo Julio Josue David and Eduardo in Nicaragua, for Wilson Rodwell Thomas and Jana Miller serving in Zambia, for Kai serving in Germany and Christopher serving in Northern Ireland, uh, for John Shattuck serving in Ecuador, uh, Marco Tulio serving in Guatemala, and Umberto serving in Texas. God, we pray your blessings on each of them and their ministries and their families. God, my prayer for them as, as my prayer for all of us is that we would grow in our knowledge of you and in our love for you, Father. Uh, please be with the rest of our service this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, Neil. And you'll be hearing more about the specifics of MAP. I know the missions committee has been working with the class leaders to match classes up with missionaries or mission teams, and so more information will be coming. But what a great opportunity this is to encourage, to just take another step to encourage and support and connect with our missionaries. And so I would encourage you to embrace that opportunity. If you have a Bible, open it up to 1 Peter chapter 2. And while you're doing that, late breaking news, I just heard that we are having Bible hour today. There was a miscommunication somehow. We are having Bible hour, so if you are part of Bible hour, children, you can discreetly get up and go to Bible hour right now, or parents or grandparents, if you need to take your kids to Bible hour, you can go ahead and do that. I am not going to sing a song for us to do that. No one wants that. Everyone would leave. So we will just dismiss our children right now to Bible Hour. No problem. Just get up and go to Bible Hour right now. We'll just keep pressing forward here. But our text today is going to be 1 Peter chapter 2. As we wrap up this series, we've been calling Core. It is about our core values as a community of faith, the foundational principles on which God is building us and using us in this community and really throughout the world as we have already talked about to advance the borders of the kingdom to spread the gospel and so last week we said that making disciples is our mission making disciples is our mission and we talk a lot about making disciples you say well okay if that's our mission what is our purpose because they are related they aren't necessarily the same thing in fact our mission is how we achieve our purpose, or at least one way we achieve our purpose. And so it raises the question, what then is our purpose? And if you ask that question to anyone who doesn't align themselves with the kingdom of God, isn't a part of Christianity, they would probably answer something like this. My purpose is to be happy. That's what I want in life. I want to be happy. Or my purpose is to be successful. Or maybe my purpose is to be the very best version of me, and so I continually work toward improving myself. But all of those things have one thing in common, self. Is our purpose really about us? I would suspect even if you ask some people who are Christians, who do align themselves with the values of the kingdom of God, the same question, what is your purpose, that they might answer something like, well, it's to go to heaven. And yes, as important as that is, and certainly that is our goal, we want to be with Jesus, with the saints for all of eternity in heaven. 
But again, that purpose is focused on me. Surely, God put us here for something bigger than ourselves. Surely, our purpose transcends even us. And so what is our purpose? I think the Bible is pretty consistent in its message to us, telling us why we are here, telling us what our purpose is. And one of the best places we see that, especially addressed to the church, is in 1 Peter chapter 2. Listen to what Peter writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering a spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. So Peter says, God is working among you. You, like living stones, are being built into something. Now, for the Jews, the house of God was important. It was the temple. It was the dwelling place of God. And now Peter says, in Christ and through Christ, God doesn't dwell in one specific place. He dwells among us. He dwells in us. And we are all connected to that cornerstone, Christ. Peter says that Jesus is the living stone. Now, this is a very small stone, but you can imagine even a bigger stone. And Peter says about Jesus, he says some people see Jesus, this living stone, the one that brings us together, the one that provides life, the one that is doing something in and through us, the one that brings all people together, Jew, Gentile, male, female, old, young, all nationalities, all races. Jesus is the one that holds us together, but Peter says some people see the living stone, and what do they do? They stumble over it. They trip over it. They can't get around it. Why? Because it's disruptive to their plan, to their purpose. You see, their purpose is about self. And they come across the living stone of Jesus and he wants to reorder their lives. He wants to give them a new purpose. And they say, no, no, I have a purpose. It's about happiness and success. It's about me. And we strip and we stumble over the living stone, Peter says. And I suppose we could extend this metaphor even more and say that some people never even see the living stone. They never even have an opportunity to accept it or stumble over it because they never hear the story. That's why it's so important for us to tell the story of Jesus. That's why it's important for us to go to all these places and tell people so they'll have a chance to know the living stone, the one that gives life. I suspect some people maybe even take the living stone 
And because of preconceived ideas or past history or because of other reasons, they are hostile toward it. And maybe they pick it up and they hurl it, they throw it, they even do damage with it. They don't want any part of it. But for many people, I think especially in our world today, Jesus isn't necessarily the chief cornerstone. He's simply one brick in a house that they're already building. And I have my life and I have my plan and if I can fit Jesus into it somewhere, yeah, maybe I'll do that. It might even serve me well to have Jesus available as a part of what I'm doing in this world. I can tell people I'm a Christian. It'll make my family happy. They'll get off my back or, you know, at work, maybe it helps or maybe it doesn't. And so I keep it quiet or don't keep it quiet. And Peter says he is the living stone that life is provided through him that he holds us together you know what a cornerstone is right obviously much bigger than this but back in that day it was the very first stone put down when you were building a home when you were building a structure and everything else that was put into that structure was aligned with the living stone or the cornerstone it gave shape to everything else and Peter says when you put your faith in the living stone when you accept him when you trust him when you give over your life to him he gives you purpose okay well what is that purpose that's the question everyone in this life is asking what is my purpose and he tells us verse 9 he says but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter says to the assembly of the saints, This is who you were. You were in darkness. You had no purpose beyond yourself. But Jesus, the living stone, has become the chief cornerstone for your life. And we build around him, and he gives us purpose. What is our purpose? To declare the praises of him. Glorifying God is our purpose. That's our purpose. Glorifying God. Peter says you belong to him. He's working in your life. He delivered you from that darkness into his wonderful light. He's building you into something special. And so acknowledge him. Point to him. Give him credit. Give him praise because of who he is and what he's doing. Paul says something similar in Ephesians chapter 1, the very beginning of his letter to the church in Ephesus. He says, In him we also were chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. You see, all the work that God has done through Jesus to bring salvation, to bring redemption, wasn't just so you would be happy. It wasn't just so you would be successful. It wasn't even just so you would be in heaven someday. It was so you would be 
to the praise of his glory. Glorifying God is our purpose. Okay, that sounds great. I would expect to hear something like that at church. But what in the world does that mean? Glorifying God is our purpose. Okay, now what? Does that mean we, we glorify God when we gather and sing songs like we did today? Is that what it means to glorify God? Well, certainly that's, that's an important part of it. We glorify God with our worship and our praise. But it's more. There's more to it than that. It's not just what happens when we assemble and sing or worship. It's not just what happens in this building. It's how we live our lives. In John's gospel, Jesus is quoted as as telling that, that he is the vine and we are the branches. Much like the cornerstone metaphor, we are connected to him. He gives us shape. Well, as the vine, we are the branches. We are connected to him. And he says, when we are connected to him, we are able to fulfill our purpose. Well, what is our purpose? Well, he tells us, John 15, verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Connected to Jesus, we live for the glory of God when we do what? When we bear fruit. You see, to glorify God is to live in a way that magnifies the goodness and the grace and the glory of God, that shows the world around us who God is, that tells everyone what Jesus has done. We point people to him. We give him the praise and him the credit. And it's not just with our words, but it's how we live. We bear fruit that points people to God. Someone says, well, that seems odd. Why would God create all of us so that we would just in turn give him all the glory? Doesn't that sound very self-serving of God? Why would God do that? That doesn't seem like a, a good thing for God to do. Listen, our purpose, the purpose of the church to give God glory is not because he needs to receive it. I think it's because we need to give it. We need to give him the credit. We need to exalt him, to look outside ourselves, to be fully satisfied, not in the things of this world, not in the pursuits that serve self, but to be fully satisfied in God, to find contentment and meaning and purpose in him. You see, sometimes we think life is about us, about lifting ourselves up, about making ourselves feel better. The truth is, life is about him. And our job is to exalt him, to lift him up. As someone said, you don't, take, you don't take someone to this beautiful Swiss Alps and then lock them in a room full of mirrors. That makes no sense. In a room full of mirrors, all they can do is see themselves and there's this beautiful thing outside. And yet, that's how we live our lives sometimes. You see, that's pointless. You miss the point if you go to the Swiss Alps and you don't take in their glory. So many people are missing the point of life because we're focused on self. And so that's why we go into the world. That's why we go on mission trips. That's why we support missionaries. That's why we try to live this lifestyle that bears fruit of the gospel because we want to point people to God. We want to magnify him. We want to draw people out of the darkness into his wonderful light. 
And that's also why we frame things that way around here. Because, yes, on one level, we are doing these things. Today, you are giving money. We are working. We are planning. We are coordinating with our missionaries. We are sending emails. We're doing all these things. And they are out there doing all this work. Yes, on one level, we are doing that. But it's not us. God is doing it through us. And so we give him the credit for what is given today. We give him the glory for the souls that are saved on the mission field. We give him the praise and the honor because he works through us. And when we do that, people are drawn to him. And we are reminded to look beyond ourselves, to acknowledge him. And so we want to show the video we showed last Sunday. If you weren't here, maybe you didn't get a chance to see it. If you were, then maybe it will reinforce. I want you to look at what God has done through this congregation just over the past five years through the efforts of Commission Sunday. Watch this video. He came to live, live a perfect life. He came to be the living word our life. He came to die so we'd be reconciled. He came to rise to show his power and might. That's why we praise him. That's why we sing. That's why we offer him our everything. That's why we bow down and worship this king. Because he gave his everything. Because he gave his everything. He came to live, live again in us. He came to be our conquering king and friend. He came to heal and show the lost ones his love. He came to go, prepare a place for us. That's why we praise him. That's why we sing. That's why we offer him our everything. That's why we bow down and worship this king. Because he gave his everything. Because he gave his everything. That's why we praise him. That's why we sing. That's why we offer him our everything. That's why we bow down and worship this king. Because he gave his everything. That's why we offer him our everything. That's why we bow down and worship this king. Because he gave his everything. Because he gave his everything. If the guy is helping with the offering could go ahead and get ready for that. We want to have our, our 
special offering. And so we continue to go and we continue to give and we continue to answer the call of the Great Commission to go and make disciples in this world. And what an honor and what a privilege it is. It should never be a burden to give to something so wonderful. It should never be a burden to go and spread the gospel. That's why we're here, to give God the glory. And our mission is to make disciples. So the way, at least one way, we give glory and honor to God is by accomplishing our mission of making disciples. So I would encourage you, as you give today, give with a cheerful heart. Give with a humble heart. Give with a heart of gratitude. And recognize what this is. This is a gift, an offering of praise to glorify God, to be used in the service of the kingdom of God. Let's bow together as we give. Father God, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the people that will hear the gospel because of the money given today, because of the efforts through our mission trips and missionaries and the people in these pews. Father, all of us, use us to bring you glory. Use us to bring people out of the darkness into your wonderful light. Father, may all that we do, may all that we say, bring you praise and glory. Father, accept this gift as a gift given in humility and gratitude and for your glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for your generosity and thank you for giving today. What a great opportunity for us as parents, grandparents, if we have children or grandchildren, to teach them what it means to give, to teach them what it means to partner with God in doing things that truly matter in this world. We teach our kids a lot of things because they're always watching, they're always listening. What a great lesson they're learning today as they see their parents and grandparents, as they see others in their church family give to something so important. You know, the video talked about some of the things God is doing through us for the past five years, and I thought it would be maybe visually significant to see with our own eyes. And so I'm going to ask you to stand if you have gone on a mission trip over the past five years. If you've been on a mission trip over the past five years, go ahead and stand up. If you've gone on a mission trip over the past five years. Wow, that's remarkable. Look around. Praise God for you. Praise God that you would make yourself available for God to use you. And wherever you go in this world, be a missionary. Don't sit down yet. Everyone else, stand up and join them. Because the truth is, God is using all of us to give and to pray and to send. This is a group effort. It's not just those who get in the vans or get in the airplane. It's all of us. We're all in this together. And Peter says that we are being built into something significant. That Jesus is that chief cornerstone. That we are living stones. And God is at work among us to build us into something important. Something meaningful. Because our purpose is to glorify God. Our mission is to make disciples. And so the stone remains. The living stone the question is, what will you do with it? Peter says some people simply stumble over it because it gets in their way. Their plan, their purpose is misguided. It's about self. And Jesus and the gospel simply is a distraction. He says for others, 
It is everything. It is the chief cornerstone. Our lives are aligned around him. He reorders our priorities. He gives us a purpose and a mission. Is he the chief cornerstone of your life? I hope so. There's no better way to live life. It's what you were created for. If not, maybe today's the day that you say, I want to give my life to him. I want to claim him as Lord of my life. Confessing your faith that Jesus is the Son of God, the living stone, and then as the chief cornerstone, building your life around him. Maybe today you want to be baptized to put on Christ. We would celebrate with you. Or maybe we can encourage you, pray for you, support you. We'd be happy to do that as well. A couple of our shepherds and their wives are going to be in the parlor, a room right behind me. They'd be happy to receive you. You can exit out of the auditorium and go there. They'd pray for you. Or you can come down to the front right now as we sing together.